Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I am Pastor Skizik. And today we get to look at the readings for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. We will primarily focus on Luke 13, verses 22 through 30. And the subtitle of the text is The Narrow Door. And I was thinking about this, and I think it's interesting, because Jesus has shown up and he's preaching the gospel to people who are very, very familiar with the law. And they understand the law has been given to them to do. And then they, ha- they are nice enough to have Pharisees to point out how much they can do, how much they can't do, how much they should be doing, what they need to be doing, all this great stuff. And then they also are arrogant enough to say, do it like me. Mm-hmm. And... Jesus really opens this up with this one question by this man. So Jesus, again, is going, making his way through towns, and somebody— and again, I always think of this random guy walking by Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I was drinking coffee this morning, and a thought came to mind. And he said to—or he said, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Mm-hmm. So first of all, I'm going to pick on this guy and his motivations— I'm curious, and I don't want to throw him under the bus like he did something wrong. Why do you think he asked this question? Why? Because I would be worried about my salvation. Yes. Not everybody else's or the number. Uh, I, I would just, what about me? And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I, I, I am enough of me to worry about me, let alone how many people are going to make it. So what do you think the motivation behind the question is? That is interesting because when I when I think of that, I think about the rich man who comes to Jesus oh, yeah. that says, what must I do? Yeah. What must I do to get to heaven? And he's not asking this no. question. He's saying, not what do I do, is, but how many yeah. will be in heaven? I wonder if he's secure in his faith in, in a good way mm-hmm. and wondering about others or— is there the doubt, is there a set number, and, and did I make it? Did I make it? Yes. Because, again, it kind of goes back to, have I done enough? Yes. Am I good enough? Right. How many? So, well, at the end of the day, we, we don't know the motivation. I think it's interesting, and I, I do think it's worth dwelling on, because I had a pastor once tell me the job of the church and the pastor is to keep heaven as full as possible and hell as empty as possible. And I've always liked that. That's good. Yeah. That's that's really good. Uh, it's a great mission. I think it almost fits on a bumper sticker. It's great. But with that, how true that is. Mm-hmm. And the, the immensity of that statement, will the number be few? And, and Jesus, he, he pulls no punches. And I really like it. Uh, This is verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Mm -hmm. First of all, I really appreciate 
he actually doesn't answer the question. Right. Uh, he makes this really big general thing, and not so broad where it's, oh, believe, and everything will work out. He's being serious, and he's also laying out what needs to be done for our salvation. It is to trust in him and him alone, and it is to make sure that you're actually keeping him first, making sure that Jesus is bringing the gospel, that you hear the gospel, that you understand the gospel, mm -hmm. and faith in his work instead of, have I done enough, as you brought up, or did I make it? Did I make it? Because, again, all that points to the me, the I, the self. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, he doesn't play that game. And then verses 25 and 26. And before we push record, I, I confess to, to Pastor Skizik that both these verses terrify me. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer, I do not know where you came from. That is frightening. It is. That and is. then it goes on further. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. And this is why it's scary. Not only being a pastor, being a Christian, being a person of faith. I have heard Jesus. I have heard of him, and I have heard him. I've heard him through the teaching. My parents took me to church. They taught me, so on and so forth. But this whole idea, the master shuts the door, and I'm standing outside. Yes. And that statement, um, Lord, open to us. And you got to say this right. you got to sound innocent and questioning Lord, open to us, like you don't know why you're not in the house. That's what's scary. Mm -hmm. There's no innocence in this. You missed it. You missed it completely. And that statement that Jesus makes, I do not know where you came from. That means you haven't come for me. But I don't know you. You are not a part of this house. You're not a part of what I have given. You don't have this gift. I do not know you. Depart from me. He'll say that in a minute. Terrifying. Terrifying, scary, terrifying. And I can't say terrifying enough. And... Uh, as a pastor, this is even scarier mm -hmm. in the simple sense that uh, St. Christmas makes this horrible statement that has burned a permanent place in my brain. The road to hell is laid, paved in the skulls of pastors. Mm. And just the idea that pastors have led people to hell. And I do not think for one moment that pastors are like, ooh, I'm going to bring people to hell. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, evil laugh the whole nine yards. They didn't give the people placed in their pastoral care Jesus. They did not give them the promise that Jesus offers and delivers. They failed at their job. I don't, I'm not naming names, mm. no, nothing like that. This has been going on since the first church, Adam and Eve. Right. Adam, the first pastor, failed Eve. 
even though he gave her the law, did he protect her? Mm -hmm. No. No. And they both fell. They both went to where God's word wasn't promised and delivered. They took what was not there, so on and so forth. And so again, I think this is interesting because Jesus comes and dwells among us. He does this today. We have his word and his sacraments. But just because we show up, we don't have the promise of salvation. And I think this is interesting because where are we to find the promise of salvation? Where God shows up and we need to show up. That's mm -hmm. the church service. That's the divine service. That is the receiving and responding and very specific. But just because you sat in the pew, just because you heard the sermon, just because you partook of the Lord's Supper, just because you read the Bible, just because you read your devotion, just because you prayed, just because you did churchly Christian things does not give you a place in heaven. But Lord, you have to let me in. Look at all that I did. Yes. I did all of that. And you're going to now tell me I'm not welcome? In fact, when I pray, I close my eyes so tight, I see those exactly. sparkly things. Yes. That's, that's how concentrated I am in my prayer. But look at all of this. Look what I did. But I was there. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I heard sermons. I own 37 Bibles. Jesus, let me in. Yes. And this is something, and again, going back to, to my earlier statement, um, Pastor Skizik, a, a couple of Sundays ago, you gave a, a wonderful sermon in, where you were talking about uh, the anxiety, the anxiousness of entering into the pulpit mm -hmm. and making the statement, did I really proclaim God's word? Yes. Does God really work in my sermons, or did I mess it up? You know, so on and mm -hmm. so forth. I, I feel your pain and anxiety. And with this, it's the whole idea that when we enter into the pulpit, I always like to say when we mount the pulpit, do we talk about Jesus or do we deliver Jesus? And I think there's a really interesting fine line there. Because if we're just talking about Jesus, oh, he's this historic teacher. He's the good guy. He's the guy that defeated sin, death, and hell. We can talk a good game. We can talk about the facts. We can talk about the bigness. But if we don't actually give him, what did we just do to the people placed into our care? This is a false hope. Now I have made you secure in your sins. I have talked a good game exposing this good guy named Jesus. But then I forget to deliver his actual work. I forget to give the actual life that he laid down so that you would have true life. And Scripture says we are going to be held oh, accountable yes. for that too. Yes, and those are scary things. Mm -hmm. And with this text of St. Luke, it's all the more. And this isn't just a one-sided thing. Uh, you know, the listener can't stand before God and say, oh, the pastor didn't preach right, so you got to let me in now. It's not, it's not there. Not. And again, just we ate and drank. We ate and drank in your presence, but we didn't have you. We're not a part of you. 
And again, that's scary. And mm-hmm. he goes, um, and this is verse 27, but he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you came from. Depart from me, all you workers of mm-hmm. evil. In that place, there will, weep being, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out, and the people will come from the east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God, and behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last." Thus says the Lord. I certainly do not want to be on the outside looking in at Mm. all of that. Hey, I missed that. Yeah. I did all this and I missed it. I do not want to be standing on the outside looking in. Okay. So this is a a heavy text. And uh, dear listener, I wish you knew how excited I was. I, my knees are bouncing. Uh, every time I try to make a point, my hands are are up in the air because there, there's so much happening in here. Uh, this is a, a dire warning that we should heed from Jesus. But this isn't, you know, Jesus coming and, oh, I bring damnation. I bring fire and brimstone. I bring wrath. And then nothing else. There's actually a lot of gospel in this. And what I appreciate about this is we need to hear God's law, mm-hmm. and we need to be crushed by it. Church is not about you. God is not about you. It's not about the stuff you did, the stuff you think you did. It's not about how good you think you are. It's about what God has given and delivered and what he does in and upon you. When he says, I don't know you, that means you're outside of him. Mm-hmm. When he says, I know you, that means because he's in you. His love is upon you and you receive, have, and live that out. And as you said, standing on the outside, and knowing you missed it, that is the denial of his gifts. That is, I'm too busy for fill in the blank. I, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And again, it's all back on you because when did you not have the opportunity? Right. That's another scary thing. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to, to say. Um, nobody does this right. right. Nobody does this perfect. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died your sins, your death, and that's why he is risen again, to show that you have life, so that to show that you too can participate in the fullness of all of this. This is, behold, the first, or the last, the first will be last and last mm-hmm. will be first. And the whole idea that in death, you're last, and you'll be raised to be the first, mm. in the first fruits, Jesus— And how can you not be excited about this? Exactly. And again, it's humbling because I I have no qualms. This is terrifying to hear. And immediately I I hear Satan whispering. And I always find it interesting. Um, For me, he always whispers. He he never yells. He never out open. Mm -hmm. It's that whisper. Did God really say you are forgiven. Right. Did God really say he loves you? And it's that slow, soft, that gnaws at the back of your head. I went to church. Mm-hmm. That's good enough. I, I, I believe. I think. I think. 
And at the end of the day, you'll never believe enough, you'll never have enough, and you'll never do enough. And that's why we turn ourselves over to Jesus. And even that, I want to be very specific, it's not, I choose Jesus. Right. It's, he came to us. I, I read something, I thought it was great. Um, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus was never lost. He found you uh-huh. lost in your sin, lost in your death, and he rescued you. And I've always— Oh, that's I, great. I thought that was great. That is great. I wish I, wish I, I was yeah, smart enough to too. do that. me too. But that's exactly there. Mm-hmm. And that is his gifts. That is his love. That is his work. And if we have that— what are we worried about? And again, this whole narrow door thing, I was trying to, to make a joke, and I don't really know if it landed very well. The whole idea that uh, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching the fullness of the gospel, he's teaching the promise of heaven and how to get there. And this guy asks, will few, will the number be few who are saved? The door is narrow. Seek after it. Be careful. And I thought about this. Jesus is the magnificent, almighty, all-powerful, eternal God. That's not something small. And so the bigness of God is offered to you in Jesus. And we call that a narrow door. Mm. And I find that amazing. The immensity of his love, his forgiveness, his grace. I remember several New Testament uh, professors, and even in the uh, the sim, you can't out sin God's grace. Now, don't try. No, no. But the whole idea: His love is bigger, His grace is bigger. But then, the way to heaven is narrow. And I, I thought that were really interesting because there's only one way to heaven. Jesus is not another way or one of the ways. He's the only way. And look what we do in this. And and Jesus is brilliant in his statement, the narrow way. The fullness and bigness of God is offered to you. And all your arrogance of all the things that you have, all the things that you will lay before the throne of God and say, look how good I am. That is what makes the door narrow Mm -hmm. because you're putting your trust, your hope, your love. In yourself. Exactly. And when put into that, wow, what gracious gifts God offers. Absolutely. And this is the fun of church, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, We should not only be excited to go to church, but we should see the immensity of that offer and know that in faith, it's already ours. And no matter what is happening in your life, dear listener, you have the promise of heaven. You have the promise of forever. And I love, there's a liturgical word. Um, I don't know if it's actually in the Bible, but in prayers, forevermore. And, and I love that because God promises you forever and more. Evermore. And only God can do that. And how can we not be excited to hear that you not only are welcome into the, the glories of heaven, but to hear God's approval, my loved one, my beloved servant, good and faithful servant, come and take rest. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, look what I earned. I got, I got the backpack from Jesus. This is, Jesus, how did I get here? I have taken care of it. 
Jesus, I, I, I knew you gave me this, but, but all of this, I took care of uh-huh. it. And I, I love that, that, that innocence because, it can, again, it, go, it points to the one who's doing the work in worship, the one who's doing the work of salvation. Mm-hmm. But that becomes our natural response. Jesus, when did I do all this? You didn't. I did it did in it. you, and I carried you all the way. Praise be, Praise to, God. be to God. And so, again, I, I think the question that the, this whole text starts with is very interesting. Will the number be few? And Jesus says, yes. And it's not because the offer is so tiny. It's because we are so small-minded that we lose, we miss, and so on and so forth. And the great thing about this is it's one of the reasons we come to church every weekend. Right. To be reminded again and again and again. And again. again. Uh, Luther, I don't know if he really said this, but I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. Uh, every Sunday, I tell my people how loved they are by God, because during the week they forget. Oh yes, and, and that, oh. that's a wonderful, humbling that reminder. Is. That uh, is because again, it's God's love on you. It's God's love in you. It's not what you're doing. And at the end of the day, that's hard because I want to do things. I want to make God happy. But he is happy in the work that has been placed and already done. So with great joy, even though this text is scary, it is scary to remind you of the depths of how far God will go to rescue somebody like me and somebody like you. So let us rejoice that we have Christ and that he is truly delivered in the preaching, the proclamation, the teachings, and the life of the church. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.